the, the wealthier, it sounds awful, but the wealthier you are, the more, more at risk you are uh, in the current climate. But certainly uh, risk profiling doesn't just, for family, families and family offices especially, doesn't just concern about the individuals within the family, but it was actually to do with the entire structure. Welcome to The Circuit Magazine, the number one source of information on protection matters, the industry-leading magazine for all security professionals who want to stay ahead of the game. The role of EP in the private family office. Today, Elijah and myself, we're going to be talking with Olivia Cooper, Head of Private Wealth and Family Office at Axiom DWFM, a friend of both the wealth management side of the industry and the security side. Uh, Elijah, why is this important? What's keeping these ultra high net worth individuals up at night? Okay, so I I think that's a two-part question you just hit me with. Um, Why is it important? is the fact that we as protectors, I don't think we spend enough time diving into the things that our clients do. And when we're when we're armed with that knowledge, it, it helps us be more effective in terms of how we can protect them and then also how can we how we can navigate their spaces. So I, I think that's really important. Um what's keeping them up at night, I, you know, I, I believe it's the economy. Uh it, you know obviously economics plays a part with anybody who's who's on the higher end of the, the, the 1% and higher of the spectrum. Um, so, so I think it's the economy, of course, the, uh, when we talk about instability that, that encompasses a lot of different things, uh, you know, the climate, uh, crime, uh, you know, so, so much, but I'm really looking forward to Olivia because I know she's got an interesting perspective on that because of where she fits in that equation in terms of her interactions with the, uh, the private family office and the, uh, ultra high net worth families. Me too. And on that, Olivia has very kindly spoken at a number of events that we've run. Um, and, and given that family office perspective, which is quite appealing to the world of EP, because sometimes uh, the family office has been described as the unicorn uh, or, <laughs> uh, you know, the, 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 the entity that it's very difficult to engage. Um, mm-hmm. And I think uh, all the way back, uh, we've had a, a, a few episodes, uh, you know, back in the day on the podcast where, where, we, where we talked about, you know, one family office, you know, one family office, as in the individual. But I mm-hmm. hope we're going to get some similarities, something to tease out of why you should even want to approach them. Because uh, often we uh, I hear people complain they don't make enough uh, you know, headspace for the decision of what mm-hmm. security they want. They just apparently, and I don't think this is the case, but the, the trope goes, they 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 open the yellow pages, they open the phone book and they go, <laughs> EP, that'll do. Now, I don't think it's actually the case, mm-hmm. but it, but I think that will be interesting to sort of get under the skin of how they make their decisions. Um, are our EP colleagues still looking to get into that world through the family office? Well, you know, I think that that's, you know, one of the important things that I'd love to unpack today is, you know, it, to many, it's a hidden market. It's one that they don't know a lot about. Uh, so if they do have an interest in working with this particular segment of the industry, this particular type of client, I think we need to be uh, better informed in how to do that outreach and then also how to best provide those services. And so 
having someone like Olivia who sits on the other side of the boardroom table, uh, who interacts with us or 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 or, or sees us um, as part of uh, all of the different services that um, or individuals that provide services to a private family office. I think she can kind of give us some some nuggets and say, okay, you know, here, here's some best practices, and you know, here, here are the things to stay away from. Which ultimately is what I expect our lovely audience really wants. They want some actionable takeaways. They want they want to say, well, I hear that it's great to work in this field, but how do I start? Where sure. do I go? Exactly. So let's do it then. Let's welcome uh, Olivia Cooper to the podcast and understand where EP fits in with the private family office. And now, let's meet one of the contributors to The Circuit magazine. We're talking high net worth priorities and risk management and its relationship with executive security. Today, we're delighted to be welcoming Olivia Cooper, Head of Private Wealth and uh, Family Officer Axiom DWFM. Elijah and myself are very pleased to have you on. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. It's lovely to be back with you, Peter. It's lovely to see you both. Lovely to see you, Elijah, too. Thank you. I like this. And this cross-pollination is really, really beneficial for the community because quite often uh, people look at family offices as a unicorn, as something that uh, is impenetrable. Uh, but then let's get into this topic with our traditional three quickfire questions. Um, what do you think people should better understand about the family office risk uh, relationship? What's, what's, what, what, what's the sort of the 101? Okay, well, family offices, again, they are quite unique in, in that they are uh, corporate structures, normally corporate structures, that are dealing with the wealth, especially when you're dealing with single family offices, because I deal with mostly single family offices. They deal with a single family, hence the name single family office. So each family has a big impact on how that family office was set up, how it has grown, and therefore all the, all the sort of uh, structures and uh, policies that run that family office very often have been heavily influenced by either one member of the family, the, 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 the first the patriarch, if you like, or a multiple number of members of the family. So you have to understand that they are, while we use the same structures very often with family offices uh, and good practice is, should be adopted right across the board, each family office is quite individual single family office that is because you're dealing with a single family uh, so that is a very important takeaway uh, while we do have good practice and good practice guides and we always advise family offices because i advise more, a number of single family offices uh, and how they should be structuring and how they should their general management practice how it should take place there is an awful lot of input from the family and therefore that sort of twists how things are run and so there is an awful lot of individuality within what is it technically a corporate structure and corporate investment structure? So, so what about you? You know, where, where does your passion for this uh, come from, and and how how do you know does it come to pass that you're also talking about risk management? Because families, I do, I've always uh, I've always preferred the private wealth side of. I trained in law, obviously. Before I was a lawyer, I was an, trained as an economist. So I read economics with French, uh, and I uh, worked as an economist. 
uh, and I worked in the city. So, but I've always been very much fascinated by uh, multi-generational succession and how families can band together and actually become quite powerful units. And I, I, I really got my interest in this by studying Greek and Roman history. And that's where you see in Babylonian, you see the, 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 the importance of the family unit and how powerful one single family can actually be. Um, so I always found that quite fascinating. And then when I went into law and I discovered the realm of family office, I mean, this was absolute manna from heaven for me because I really enjoy dealing with, with, with families because they're quite unique. They each have their own foibles. And yet at the same time, I'm trying to bring some sort of order and structure into the family life. So that's how I got into it. And that's why I find it so fascinating. Why we talk about risk is because families themselves, the, the wealthier, it sounds awful, but the wealthier you are, the more, more at risk you are uh, in the current climate. But certainly uh, risk profiling doesn't just, for family families and family offices especially, doesn't just concern about the individuals within the family, but it's actually to do with the entire structure. And this, and it's a living thing. And this is something that I really try to get across to my families, that risk is, is an ongoing thing. It's a generic thing. It's, it's something that changes, it mutates. Risks come from all different angles. So your risk policy has to be updated, has to be living, it has to be organic. It has to be actually integrated into every element of your family office and into every element of your family. Um, this is not just sort of, hey, yeah, we've got a risk per policy, we've got an investment policy, and they all just sit in little, you know, little tabs, and that, that, that's the policy for the family office. And they're, hey, aren't we great? Because it doesn't work like that. Times mm -hmm. change, things move on. I mean, I'm not just looking at now where we've got serious volatility in the market. And from an economist's point of view, I can tell you in the short to medium term, we are just going to see it get worse. We're going to see even more volatility in the markets. So that is already a security risk. To mitigate against that risk, you have to have a proper risk profile. You have to have a structure, uh, an actual policy that allows you to force, not so foresee, because none of us can see the future, but to be able to mitigate whatever risk is going to hit your family from whatever angle, whether it be uh, a sudden death or whether it be Putin invading Ukraine or whether it be China and, and the China and its relationship with Taiwan. You know, mm -hmm. these are the risks we're looking at. There's a risk come from all over the place. Uh, you know, it could be a car crash that, that wipes out a prominent member of the family. You know, we've had this, we've seen this. And your risk policy is not just in a little document that you put in the drawer. It has to be going right through the family office, right through the family behavior, use of online protocols, everything is tied into one security uh, and it has to be sort of ingrained into the family that this is this is a, a concern that affects everything that you're doing. And so what what, what about an executive protection professional? What what should they know? Because I'm, 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 I'm assuming that there are some out there that think, do you know what? I'd love to work for an ultra high net worth. I'm working corporate at the moment. Um, what, what should they know before approaching family offices? Um, first of all, family offices are quite uh, a, a sort of, they are corporate, but at the same time, as I said, they're very much personalized to one single family. So you have to understand how the family operates to be able to operate for them. And a good person, a good employee or a good advisor to a family office uh, has to know the family inside out and really understand their, not just their background, but where they're going from, where they're coming from, where they're going to, what are their aspirations, and understand the little nuances 
that really affect the family. So where do they operate? Where are most of their assets held? How, how do, what are they interested in? So for example, in the US still, we see an awful lot of family offices that are, uh, have come from where one family has made their money in a specific, specific sector. You still see very little diversification. So you see them very heavily invested in something like that. So this is, this is where you have to understand how that family is operating and therefore the risks that might be it might be pertinent to that particular family. It's very much individual. It's no good just going in with this sort of thing. Oh, hey, we can do your security for you, and we have a, this policy for this, and this, uh, uh, that will work. Mm-hmm. You have to know your family, and each one is an individual. Uh, you need you need to know what are the problem areas within the family setup itself. You know, do we have mm-hmm. problem children? Do we have uh, do we have potential risk on on succession? You know, what what is the risks there? That's the sort of thing we need you to highlight and be able to work with the other advisors. That's the other key point. It's no good us just having, um, you know, you're the security people, you're the lawyers, you're the accountants, you're the whatever. They have to work together. And if you Mm -hmm. can't work with other people in the profession, then Mm -hmm. you're going to struggle. You're really going to struggle. So, Olivia, you you bring up, I mean, some amazing points right there. Uh, And... And I want to set the stage really quick because I, I was able to check out your TED talk, <laughs> and 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 one of the intro the introduction to it, you know, you asked your audience what their idea of a family office was, and I remember, you know, those of us in our profession, we would answer much the same, which is, you know, which is you know it's, it's, it's you know it's these wealthy individuals and they don't necessarily know what they need and security is an afterthought, and. While that may be true in some cases, I think many in our profession don't understand that it is a corporation usually, and there are so many multiple pieces inside there that are moving independent, uh, you know, solving whatever issues that they need to do for the family. And so because we don't quite know where we fit, one, we don't know how to approach it, which is to, to your point that you just spoke about. But the other part is, is that because we don't, you know, maybe in the corporate sector, we just, we fill a niche. We, we, we come in and they say, here's a department. And, and you know, when, it, when the executive wants to travel, we'll travel with them, you know, if we need to. But in, in the family office, because we don't understand the bigger picture, there are times where we can't, we don't know where we're supposed to help out, where we fit in at. Yes, it does. It makes sense. It, it, it does make, because what people don't realize is that family offices are corporate entities very often. So, mm-hmm. but they are corporate entities with a very heavy personal uh, input. So, for us, security in family offices is not just, as you said, just you know, uh, our, our main uh, patriarch or, or matriarch is traveling to a place where we are quite unhappy with. So, we'll step up security and make sure there's security with her or him. Uh, no, that's not that. That's just a tiny, weeny little part of it. Security comes right from the top and permeates all the way down. So, just to give you an example, as I said before, at the moment we are looking at strategic planning for uh, investments going forward in a time of volatility. That include, includes a huge security element because if we don't know what's going on in the world, in the geopolitical risk areas, and we don't take advice from security experts on where how we can 
mitigate against these risk areas or if and we have to do a deep dive into where we are at the moment with our mm -hmm. as, as they stand and then going forward how we adjust our strategies our investment strategy going forward to make sure we don't expose ourselves to even further risk and mitigate about what we've got that includes a huge security element um so so we, the, the point of the security is just not, it's not just sort of thing, oh, well, we all work online, you know, so therefore we have to have a good online security. You know, we know we'll just run out and buy Norton VPN. It's, it's a lot more than that. <laughs> right, sure. Unfortunately, some people, some people in the security industry think that it's very fragmented. But what, what family offices need, and they really do need, is, a, as I said, like a pyramid. It, it's in a security policy that it permeates every aspect. And that has to be written using lawyers, uh, accountants, security experts. Everybody needs to have an input. And the first thing you need to understand is how the family operates, because you can't get their, their security risk without uh, understanding how they operate. And that how they operate involves not just the family, where they travel to, where they live, et cetera, et cetera, but it also involves their investment strategy, their philanthropy strategy, because are they, are they providing uh, philanthropic investment into an area which is potentially a high risk area. In which case, you know, how do we mitigate for that risk? This is the whole thing. You know, you know I've had people who are investing in building schools in Congo, uh, where whereas Congo is a beautiful country. I don't know if you've visited it. It's an extremely beautiful country, but it does have quite a high risk area. Uh, therefore, we have to mitigate you know that that philanthropic investment one could be lost two could be uh, you know we might have employees that are visiting there that could have so there's a lot of risk involved there that that, that is something that should be far, part of our whole strategic plan so how do you deal with that and how you deal with that is the advice we need how to deal with that so not just for Congo but for mm -hmm. any potential policy that any sure. potential risk that we are going to face and that comes right from the top and that might be where we fall short on our side, which is uh, we're more uh, reactive, meaning we wait for the orders. We wait for you to tell us, okay, this is what we're doing. But if I understand what you're saying, how we could be of more help to the family office and the people that support that family office is to present and say, okay, I understand your business. I, I understand um, your outlook. And your approach to things and here's how i can help you exactly exactly mm -hmm. and work with the other advisors to produce something that will actually help us to because remember family offices another thing that you might not uh, quite comprehend is that family offices are not all about it sounds awful we're not just about tax tax avoidance or, or whatever you know making money of course we want to be it's about succession it's about keeping a family's name alive and their ethos alive and passing on from generation to generation to generation to generation. And that is what is, is the element of a family office. That's what makes a successful family office. So if you don't understand that ethos, you're never going to be any help to them. And you're never going to get past the sort of just holding their hand when, when, they, when they travel into a dangerous area. That, that, that's, that's only one tiny aspect of what we do or what we need in terms of security. Um, I, when I'm re reviewing security policies, I will call in security experts and say, look, uh, we, are, we are heavily invested in this area. I know it's uh, potential dangerous, whatever, blah. Um, and I will call in various experts and ask their opinion. 
so that we can then from that I can I can then put together a policy to say right well we need to look at this this and this and this so if you're a secure from a, from a security experts point of view you need to be going to the family offices and saying well well I've studied how you behave I've studied where you were and I'm thinking we could help you by by invest by showing you how you could better protect yourself on this mm -hmm. this on all the different levels so sure. from cyber security through to uh, you know main person security because still find this very much in family offices you have key people keys not just key members of staff but key people in the family that if those people drop drop dead tomorrow you know you're going to be in trouble you're going, you're going to have some problems and to mitigate against that so you need to be able to say we've looked at your family office setup and here are the problem areas here are the problem areas as in risk areas and here's what we need to do to, to sort it out that's what we're looking for and that's what family needs it's not question of sort of very fragmented little bits here and there we need a one policy and it needs to be flowing right through the entire family office from philanthropy to the family how they behave with their own asset holdings it has to cover everything so for example um, you might say to us we've got too many key people who have too much power and there's no mitigation to if anything happens to them so we then think ah you've highlighted this yes you're quite right um, then we need to put in place what happens if somebody happens, something happens to that person. Well, we've got that person to take over. So it, you've highlighted it to us, rather than say, "Oh dear, that person's dropped dead." What, what do we do? Uh, yeah, you need to come in beforehand and tell us that's the problem area. Absolutely, um, you know, and all the things that you're saying requires, you know, from our sector, uh, the education piece. To, to be able to understand, uh, I, I work with an ultra high net worth family and I've, I've been on the account since 2003. So it's been an eye opener for me. But one of the things I remember was that I thought I had an understanding because I do other security and other, and other facets. But when I, when I learned more about the family and more about their business, I realized, oh, I've got a lot to learn in order to best assist them. And one of the things they did was they invited me to, I don't know uh, what the counterpart is over there. You've probably heard of it. It's the, the Fox Forum, which is the family office exchange in the United States. And it's a meeting of all of these different aspects. And, and it was an eye opener for me. But the other thing that was interesting was at the time, I didn't see many other security people in there. And so you had the lawyers and the accountants and, you know, uh, and in the, in, the, in the personal assistants and, and, the, and the wealth management. But I didn't see security people in there. And I thought, wow, I'm, I'm learning a lot. We should be in these rooms here. That's it. You, you've got to find yourself as and, and promote yourself as an integral part of the team. I know as speaking as a lawyer, so I can say this, mm -hmm. lawyers tend to be quite bossy. Uh, and aggressive, so we tend to take over and just manage everything, and mm -hmm. manage everything. We do tend mm -hmm. to do that. I will put my hand, my hold my hand up for that. <laughs> um, so, but you need to put yourselves forward, saying, "Hey, we need to put this input in because you're you're putting your families into into areas where you know this is a particular potential risk area, and we can help you by by putting in place the plans that you need to put in place now. We can highlight the risk areas." So that before you get into them, you're 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 you've got a plan to handle it. This is the important thing. So I think it's very much in the in the security industry, you need to understand how family offices operate, and which I've tried to explain, um, the structuring they use. So we 
obviously corporate structuring very often is the basis of most single family offices, but with a huge input from personal from the family. So you have to understand that and you have to understand the family to be able to advise them and be, as, I, as you said, rather than reactive, to be proactive. So to come first and say, look, these are your risk areas. You know, we've, we've got to tackle it because if you don't have some sort of policy in place to tackle risk areas, there could be potential where you're going to be hit. Mm -hmm. and that's, that's what families like to hear. They, mm -hmm. they, they don't want to be sugar-coated. They don't like it to be sugar-coated. They need to make sure that everything's running smoothly and that if there is a problem area, so for example, at the moment we've seen, uh, just to give you an example, we've obviously got uh, the Ukraine invasion. Uh, that's put enormous strain on uh, the global markets, on energy security is now number one. We're looking at uh, the crumbling of the Eurozone. These are the main concerns that are uh, affecting family offices and what we're looking at at the moment. But funny enough, we are thinking, well, you know, Putin isn't the only despot in, 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 in the world today, unfortunately. Um, and we are now looking at what is the next potential problem area. We should look at China with Taiwan. Taking Russia out of your portfolio, that's not so difficult because Russia's global footprint is probably about the same size as Italy's. In fact, Italy's probably the larger one. But but China has a huge global footprint. So to get China out of your out of your uh, portfolio is something quite different. But family offices are now looking to prepare to, to taking hits in the short and medium term to protect the long term. And this is where you guys need to be stepping up to the plate to say. Yeah, this is a this is a potential risk area. Uh, we can help you uh, with the with the actual deep dive into where where there is that element that could help that could link you back to China. This is, I mean, we're going that deep. It's not just of, oh, this is an investment. We're into China. No, no, no. We're looking at where we've invested, even direct investment or equity, wherever that there could be either an indirect or a direct link to China. In which case, given the the sanctions that were put on Russia, if those same sanctions were put on China, how would this affect How would this affect you, sure. Yeah, mm -hmm. so that's the sort of thing. Security should be stepping up. You know, it's not just lawyers that are saying this, and we are, and families are actually looking to do this now. We are seeing an awful lot of movement towards it because the Ukraine invasion was a, was a wake-up call. The West has been sleepwalking. It seems like democracy has been sleepwalking into a very dangerous situation where we spread ourselves so thin and left our borders open and now family offices are thinking wait a minute you know we need to retrench we need to really look at security because we could be potentially leaving ourselves open to huge uh, impact on our finances and so that's that's but that's why you guys should be t looking and saying these are the problem areas uh, within your whole system within your whole structure you've got this potential problem uh, and you can advise on how we change our policies, how we change them now to potentially be able to mitigate whatever other risk could come up. Coming up. So rather so, than saying, oh, you know, this has happened, now we call in the security people, you should be telling the family offices, no, we need the security people in now to tell sure. us where the risks are. Sure. So a question for you. Uh, you know, with the caveat that you started off by saying every family office, just by its nature, is different. Mm -hmm. it, do, do you have in your experience, uh, you know, who should we liaison with or develop that relationship with? I don't want to say the most because 
but but in, in terms of increasing our chances for success in order to to offer input or 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 affect change um one of the difficult things is actually contacting family offices we're very secretive people mm -hmm. uh, and it's one of the biggest complaints i have from people uh, you know it's it's impossible to get hold of these people uh, because they're a very uh, sort of closed environment uh, family offices talk to each other they talk to their lawyers their advisors and that's it you know they're, they're like a little bubble so to burst into that bubble is quite difficult i will admit that it is very and um, the way you get your profile known is to basically uh, for start doing podcasts like this, very useful, because people do listen to them. And so there will be the family office that will say, oh, uh, oh, I heard that podcast. And oh, right, I'll contact my lawyer, whether Olivia or whomever else. Get in touch with these people because we're, we're, we're starting to, what have we done about this? So they do actually listen. They pick up and especially um, you know, families that have been around for, for quite a while, people think that they are just these sort of, uh, yes, some of them are quite uh, vapid, rich people that just do nothing but shop all day. Uh, but that is actually a, misno a, a total uh, misrepresentation of many of them. Many of them are incredibly clever uh, uh, business people who have made their fortune by basically setting up businesses and have, have been inventing things and so forth. So they're not daft people. They do keep in touch with what's going on in the world. But the full problem is they live in this sort of rarefied environment now, which where they, because they want their privacy to be protected, and that, that, that's where it comes, because they want their privacy to protect, be protected, they almost withdraw. And so they, 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 their actual circle of where they have contact with gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. To break into that, you have to get in with the advisors as well. Um, and get your message out there, as we said by doing, as I've said by doing these podcasts, by getting the articles out there, to get family offices to recognise that there is this major problem that they have. For many, not all of them, some of them I have to say are quite savvy and have put their risk, uh, their policies up to date and keep them up to date. But an awful lot of them don't, and be coming back with, hey, you need to wake up. This is this is really potential areas that you could be, and we can help you. This is what we can do to help you, rather than sort of saying, if this has happened to you, we can do this. No, we need to start right from scratch. Let's, let's come in and look at your, we, are, we, we, are, we guarantee confidentiality, because that is key. People like privacy. My client would be, I, I'll give you, I'll make you laugh. Um, I had a, an agent, uh, what you, in America you would call them real estate agent, who said, oh, your client doesn't exist. I can't find them on Google. They don't exist. And I said, yes, you can't find them on Google. Why are you working? Yeah, because they want privacy. They don't want that life on social media. That's the sort of thing. So, uh, so it gives you an example of how important privacy and confidentiality is. So you have to be able to guarantee that to them, that if they bring you into their circle, that you will be able to look at everything because it's very personal to them. It's not just a business. Their whole family of how their family is run. It's not that it's a corporate setup, it's their family. And so it's very personal and very private. So if you're brought in, you have to be trusted. Uh, so you have to show that you are uh, trustworthy, that there is no leakage, that you can keep confidentiality, and that you can give them some added value, that you'll be able to tell them your system, and excuse my language, your system is shit because you are living yourself open to this risk, this risk, this risk, this risk. But hey, we can adjust your policy to help your uh, current advisors to understand where the risks are and this is what they should be looking at.
that would be brilliant. Yeah, what you're saying is is spot on. Uh, I'm learning a lot just from the conversation, but but you're also reinforcing things that 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 I'm already aware of. So to your point, that's how my client found me. She she came across an article I wrote, um, ended up doing some research and did the vetting on the front end. And, and I didn't even know about this. So she was vetting uh, myself and the company prior to, and, uh, and the, the matriarch asked to set up a lunch with me. And I didn't realize that I was actually doing an interview at the time. <laughs> and, 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 and one of the things that she said was, you know, she said she wanted to meet the owner of the company in person because, mm-hmm. because her, uh, part of her decision-making is finding out a person's values mm-hmm. and their integrity. And, you know, and, and as I, when I replayed the conversation, I realized, oh, some of the questions she asked led to those things. And so I, I thought that was interesting because again, to your point, you know, she found me uh, and as they interact with their peers, it's the recommendations in terms of, you know, oh, who do you use for this? So what do you do with this? And that's how the word gets out. There's a lot of gossip between family offices. They mm-hmm. they are gossip mong- really gossip mongers. They're, they're not nasty, but it, you know, yeah, sure. Who do they trust? Who it's an internal trust? network. An internal network, and to get mm-hmm. into that network, you have to be trusted by mm-hmm. one person because then then they will let you in. Um, and once you're in with one family, then then it, the reputation will spread, provided you've got it, you give them a good service. Mm-hmm. Conversely, mm-hmm. if you give a bad service, forget it because it absolutely will know about it. Absolutely. Um, the, the 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 point you were making about how she interviewed you mm-hmm. that's very common now some families like to bring in people themselves and they mm-hmm. and as you see it was a matriarch there it could be matriarch patriarch it could be the the person who shall we say is responsible for the mostly responsible for the for the family office sometimes that is actually uh left to staff of the family sure. office um, yeah. So it might be a trusted advisor or so forth who will make the first introduction. Mm-hmm. And that is very key. Uh, if you, if, there is no, as you, as, you, as you know the phrase, there's no such thing as a free lunch. If you're invited to lunch, it's going to be an interview. <laughs> you're going to be on, put on the spot. You know, and they're going to be finding, what, finding out how you operate. And there's no, the, the, the one thing I would say is that don't try and be the, the same to everybody because you, you've just got to be yourself. Um, mm-hmm. And you won't fit with every family. I use different advisors for different families because it's a fit. And although it's a corporate entity, I keep saying it's a corporate entity, you, you have to fit with the family. And sometimes they don't fit. You know, I've got advisors who are brilliant accountants who are fantastic, but they just fit with particular clients of mine, but they do fit with others. And that's, that's, it's having that fit, that put, put together, that, that, that's a key element. And unfortunately, you're not going to fit with everybody. That's not to say that you won't be liked by people, but you just won't fit with other family offices or you might fit with some and not others. So if you're going to be interviewed or you're going to a lunch or, you're, or somebody contacts you, know, know your background, do your research. Uh, don't turn up and just say, hey, we can offer this service, this service, this service, because it's just generic, the same old patter that we hear all the time. If you turn up and say, oh, I heard that, you know, so-and-so in your family office was in co-investing on this project, I've heard this rumor or whatever, they'll think, wow, you're on the ball, you know, uh, and that makes a difference. That's what you're looking out for, somebody who knows what's going on. And um, so I would warn you that 
they are pretty savvy. And if you have an advisor first, it's normally the first sort of first. And then if they like you, then they will introduce you maybe family later on. We take you in on the on one level, and then you gradually be allowed to see more and more. I think the problem is that we are very private in private organisations. Uh, family offices are very private, and so we have many of them have an awful lot of problems trusting people and trusting advisors, and it takes ages to get them to trust on a, mm -hmm. on a complete level. Mm -hmm. But and I think the 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 inverse of that is once you're in. Yeah. You can develop a, a very long relationship, you know, particularly because by very definition, you know, those children that are part of the family eventually grow up and, and, and take leadership positions or branch off into their own thing. Exactly. And know every level of the family. It's very important to know every level of the family uh, and understand how they interact and how they work. And if you think that you, they could do it better, tell them. Uh, you know, if they, they don't want people who walk on eggshells around them. Uh, they want people, advisors who say, look, this is going wrong. We see a problem area coming here. You know, it might be a particular branch of the family that's having problems. We think we need to mitigate for that risk because what they could potentially, the damage they could potentially land the family in, both mm -hmm. in reputation or whatever. Um, we need to mitigate against that. Mm -hmm. They're not going to say, oh, how can you say bad things about my family? They're going to say, hey, yeah, you've got a point there. Let's do it. You know, that they're not daft. They are. They are. They are. They want people who will speak up. Mm. You know, I often tell my my families things that they don't want to hear, but they're happy that I told them. Uh, this is this is the point. You can't walk on eggshells. You have they, and that's why you become a trusted advisor because they think if she's saying it to me, it means it is something that I have to look at. Mm. Uh, and that that's what, so that's what they look for. They're not looking for the people who say, yeah, great, and don't you look fabulous today, and have a nice day. You know, that's not what they're looking for. Yeah, that's that's what you expect from the stewardess who serves you your tea on the plane. Uh, you don't expect it from your security advisor or any of your close advisors in in the in the in the company. These are amazing points. I, it's it, I mean I've always been known to shoot from the hip. I'm not politically correct in any way whatsoever. Mm -hmm. um, I don't do the politically correct stuff at all. I'm known. For, but that's, to be perfectly frank, my clients expect that from me. No good just saying what's, you know, what's the trendy thing to say, or what's the latest uh, bandwagon to jump on. That's not, the internal uh, workings of a family office, uh, they operate, they put a view to the, to, to the public, but what happens inside is very much private to the family. And they expect their advisors, one, to be highly confidential, and to tell them, the, to tell it as it is. They can't have you uh, just just sort of do the smiley face. They they want you to be there working for them, and that's the other thing. You have to be able to show that you're working for them, and have loyalty to the family. Uh, loyalty is very big uh, family office. They expect, and they reward loyalty, but they expect absolute loyalty. Now, obviously. Somebody like me, when I act for more than one family office, sometimes there's a conflict of interest. Sometimes I can't act for something. That, but they know that within, I won't talk about one family office to another family office unless they've asked me to. Unless mm -hmm. they've asked me to. Sure. So confidentiality, loyalty, mm -hmm. very, very. And, and I demonstrate that. Sure. And I think also a piece of that because you know uh, earlier you said that you know there sometimes you just might not be the right fit. So the fit is, is important. 
But I also think once you're in, flexibility is important because so much in our industry, sometimes we're very rigid in our thinking. This is the only thing you can do. And, and uh, you know, you, we kind of joke and say the one thing a client never wants to hear is the word no, you know? And, and, and so in, in our industry, we have a habit of because uh, there, there are areas of concern, areas of risk, we tell a client what they can't do as opposed to maybe create and give them options of how they can do it uh, better Absolutely. or safer. Mm -hmm. Well, I would suggest that's one of the key areas that we always work in. Um, I'm always being told by clients, oh, we want to do this. And they think, oh, okay. Um, yeah, but we can't actually do it that way because that way you're one going to have maybe a huge tax liability or you're actually going to end up in prison. Um, or, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, we, we have to be sensible. So, but they don't want to say you can't do it. I mean, sometimes definitely you have to say absolutely not. Mm -hmm. And if you think it's a really bad risk and you think that it is a crucial that the family don't get involved in it or there is something that could be potentially extremely dangerous, mm -hmm. then you might say no. Sure. And be prepared to walk away because they will respect you for it. I've had that with clients where I've said, no, absolutely, I won't act on that because that's that's going to be a disaster area for this, 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 this reason. And they say, oh, I'm fine, we're going to do it with another lawyer. They've gone to another lawyer. It's become a disaster. And then they come back to me to dig them out of it. And you will find that and those clients have not moved from me because of that, because I dig them out of the hole and I was prepared to say and walk away. So now they know when I say no, it means no, it's it's totally wrong. And I can't put you into that danger because I'd be uh, not doing my job properly. So I think that's very important for your job as well. It's not a question of just being flexible. You, have, you can be flexible, but where you see a really potential threat, explain it, have the backup to explain it, and then prepare to walk away and say no. We're not, we're not going to get involved in that because we don't want to have it on our, basically, we don't want to have it on our shoulders if anything happens to you. So. Olivia, I, uh, I got fired on my very first international trip with the client. <laughs> the, the, the first one for, for exactly the, 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 the situation you said. Um, and uh, What happened it, to the client? Huh? What happened to the client? Oh, we, 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 we headed to China for... Um, a major sporting event uh, in, in 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 Beijing, and there was a, there was a degree of risk there, and uh, and a member of the family decided when we were scheduled to, to fly back that they were going to just stay and spend a couple of days to themselves there, uh, and and I said, well, you know, I'll 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 stay back with you, and the rest of the team can fly back with the family. And they no, we just I want some alone time, and I go, that's fine, I'll I'll just stay, yeah. you know, in my room, and you won't see me, and and they were just so upset about that that. That, that I got fired. And I said, well, since I'm fired, I guess I can spend a couple of days in, in, in China as well. And uh, of, of course, you know, that, that blew over, you know, within 24 hours, but the client still makes jokes about that, you know, you know, to, to their group and say, but, but they needed you that. Right. You were right. Absolutely. They, and, and to your point, which is why everything you've said is, has, has resonated so much, which is, you know, when I felt very strongly about something, I told them because I thought that would be in their best interest and they wanted someone to have strength to have to 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 not be a yes person. Mm -hmm. uh, and, 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 and they said, you know, you know, in hindsight, if I would have left, that would have looked, you know, you know, uh, strange. It worse than you yeah. look like irresponsible person. I exactly. Like, yeah, oh, the, the assignment's over. Everybody's tired. So I'm going to get on this plane and leave. 
And uh, and so yeah, so the, you know, we to, to this day, and again, the relationship's been over a decade. Uh, you know, we still make jokes about that. But that's it. That's what I mean. That's the sort of relationship you build from something like that. You many people would have thought, oh no, you should just do what the client says. Mm-hmm. Not all the time, because we have to. So obviously, you know, it's when you when you go into retail, you're always told the customer's always right. No, I'm afraid that when you're when you're dealing in family office, the client isn't always right. Mm-hmm. And you have to be prepared to say that to them. Isn't the full quote the customer's always right in matters of taste? Isn't that the full quote? And, <laughs> Everybody and, forgets and, that part. And, and it's been cut off. Or is that an urban myth? One of, is it some Harry Selfridge thing? I don't know. They're not always right, I have to say. Even in matters of taste, they can make some huge errors. But you know, they, they, they're human beings, and this is one of the things that family offices is about. It's about human beings. A family is made up of human beings. And they are completely different. You know, they, can, they can make some horrendous mistakes. Mm. Uh, but if we've got a policy, if we and I say a policy, what I mean is, is a strategy in place, so that we know if if somebody goes off and does this, we've got this strategy already in place because we know that the, this potentially could happen. Mm-hmm. That's where we need our security teams to have that to help us make that strategy, so that it grows with the family, grows with the investments, grows with the whole structure. As the structure grows, that so does the policy, and everything is adapted within that security policy. That is what we need from our security team. It's not just a question of, oh great, you know, we've got somebody who's going backpacking because one of the, I don't know, one of the nieces or nephews is going backpacking for a year between college, between high school and college, and we have we have to put in plan a security plan for them. You know, no, we need to we need to think right. You know, we we should have had a security policy in place that sure. Prepared what's happening with the family and that that should have already been said we don't wait till they get to that stage mm-hmm. it should already be if you're doing if you're going on a trip you have the family has to report this 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 and this that's what i mean so for example my family security normally involves that so any any trips are reported in advance uh we know who's coming up to certain ages so we know you know potentially long trips these those whole backpacking things and whatever i never did it so i can't say um uh, you know, I don't, I don't do, a, a, sorry, backpacking with a tent. No, sorry. <laughs> Thank you. If I wanted that, I would have joined the military. <laughs> but sorry, I do, I do hotel. Um, but anyway, so we, we have, we have uh, policies in, already in place to, to cover any eventuality, mm. any potential eventuality. Mm. So that's what I'm saying. So to, it's that overarching policy that we need the help with. Because you potentially have the have the ability to tell us. Because I can't see every risk. I'm a lawyer. I can see I can see the economic risks. I can see the potential geopolitical disasters that are going on around us. But you can pick out. Oh, you've got key person problem there because you too much is reliant on that person. If that person goes down, what do we do? You can pick out the other risks that we see, or you can pick out as well the the, the, the geopolitical risks. So it's really important that we have somebody on board that has that ability to do that, see it in advance, keep and keep an eye on it. It's an ongoing project. Keep an eye on our strategy. Keep an eye on where we're going to say, wait a minute, this is this place is, 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 is about to kick off over here. And I notice, you know, you're, you're a bit heavily invested there. So or, you know, somebody's supposed to be going to school over there. And maybe we need to pull them out. You know, that's the sort of that's the sort of thing we need. We need somebody on board who's actually thinking at the security all the time on every aspect it needs to be permeating through everything to do with the family office 
Um, because unfortunately, it's very fragmented in many family offices. It's sort of, we have our cyber policy, we have our security policy, we have our investment policy, and it's very fragmented. Whereas you guys are the people who could come in and, and look at it from a whole holistic point of view and see the risk right across the board, rather than how we see it in these sort of little fragmented bits. And that, that's where I think your best bet for giving real value to, to family offices, that's where we need the value most. Which is perhaps the takeaway. And that's, that's where the protector can add the most value and become the value-added value reseller of security services or value-added advisor. I think this is good. And, and this, is, this, is, this has gone further uh, into more topics than I would have anticipated. But I think that's the nature of the family office. Uh, you said before, you know one family office, you know one family office. Well, that uh, speaks to the diversity of topics that uh, you should get engaged with. So you want to get out of your fully non-family office corporate bubble. Maybe uh, there's, there's a degree of learning for you ahead um and 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 a slow burn or perhaps you need to put out more content uh, like elijah and uh, olivia and then, <laughs> yeah and then absolutely you'll get tapped on the shoulder well i think elijah's got the right i really got the right attitude uh, uh, elijah's gone forward and uh, sorry to, to use your name like that elijah but you've gone forward and you've actually put yourself out there and mm. and gone forward with the idea of where what what services you can offer how you can add that value added you're not mm -hmm. just turning up and saying, I, you know, I've got your back when you're when you're backpacking in Vietnam. Sure. It, it, you, that's that that is a major part, obviously, but it's it's just one part. Mm -hmm. And you've gone forward and done that. So for 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 family offices, security is certainly in the current climate. Security has climbed right to the top from mm -hmm. being some sort of policy in a drawer. Now uh, it's the call I'm getting all the time. So now is your time to come forward and say, hey, we can do this for you. Uh, and it, it, you've got to get the message out there to the family officers because they are on the lookout. I can say they are on the lookout for advisors now because they are concerned with what's going on in the world. They are concerned with their children growing up in a world that is conti continually, continuously volatile. I mean, I do explain to them that, you know, we've had world wars before as well. So mm. this is not unusual, this level of volatility. But mm. we are in a dangerous environment. So the concerns, you know, whenever there's an invasion, like we've had the Ukraine invasion, People get worried, people get panic stricken. Um, and it seems that there isn't a single place on the planet at the moment that there isn't some sort of volatility. So there, there are our concerns. And that always means that they will turn to their security policy and say, oh, are we under attack? You know, are, are we potentially leaving ourselves open to attack? Whether that be a cyber attack, whether that be a personal attack, whether that be investments going wrong, philanthropy, whatever. So we need the security services to step up and say, Hey, don't panic about it. We can put in place a strategy that's going to be able to last because it, it'll it's flexible enough to develop with the family office and with the family. Perfect. So that gives us a great snapshot of where we're going to go, where what we're going to need, and all of the things keeping the family offices up at night. Um, Olivia, thanks very much for coming on. I know this is a cross-pollination, a cross-collaboration, and maybe 10 years ago we wouldn't have seen wealth management mixing so much with the world of EP, uh, but I'm glad we are seeing it uh, now. So, uh, from Elijah and myself, this has been another fantastic edition of the Circuit Magazine podcast. Well, that was a great pleasure. 
on my part, and I'm hopefully thinking Elijah's as well, to welcome Olivia Cooper to the podcast. She's been great on many of the Circuit Magazine events, and she's really taken the time to break down why EP should look more closely at the private family office. Uh, what uh, did you take away from today's session, Elijah? Well, in short, I, I was blown away. You know, one, the way that she was able to kind of paint a picture for us on what the fi the family office looks like, the private family office looks like, and then also the challenges that they navigate. Uh, and you realize at that point there that protection is only a piece of that 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 pie, you know, of, of that puzzle. It's an important piece, but it's just one piece. And so, you know, some of the biggest takeaways for me is that we have to understand other parts of uh, the client's business. And once we have kind of a fuller understanding of that, then we can uh, kind of uh, tailor our their, tailor our services to their needs. And I feel like that's part of the issue is that we approach protective services the same way with different client types. And I think just listening to her, which is wonderful because again, she's not in protective services per se. So listening to her from uh, the outsider's perspective, talk about what the clients need. And again, she's speaking from a, from a position of authority. Um, I, I thought that was instrumental. I, I, I got quite a bit out of this episode. Indeed. And, you know, I mean, it, it makes sense, as you say, to think about their perspective, because let's say the wealth managers and the private family officers uh, and the legal teams get together and the task is succession planning. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the really key features could be providing EP to the children, mm -hmm. right? And if you go in and say, ah, oh, you, you need EP because you've got loads of threats and this and this, but you don't think of it in the succession planning context, mm -hmm. then maybe you're missing a trick. And I, I, I really appreciated her, you know, both on the call and then afterwards being quite open and honest about some of the political things that Ultra High Networks are thinking about, mm -hmm. some of the geopolitical things, um, some of their uh, future predictions even. They're always predicting, uh, mm -hmm. which which I think is quite, uh, you know, comparable to the way in which a GSOC operates. You know, the GSOC's sitting there going, hmm, we, we, we can see instability over here. That sure. would mean X, Y, and Z. And just because traditionally wealth managers and risk managers haven't sat side by side, right? doesn't mean that they're not doing it now. Absolutely. Uh, and I also think one of the things she, she, she helped illustrate to us is that the way the structure of a family office is, is different than your traditional corporation. And so a lot of those, um, maybe I say business norms are altered or modified depending on the, the particular family that office is working for. And so that means that we have to, you know, we have to learn uh, the, some of the, the nuances that, 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 that go into this family. And, you know, you know, there's a number of very high profile families that, you know, people can think of their names. They're, they're, they're very common. And if we think about those families, we wouldn't necessarily paint them all with the same brush. And the fact that Olivia came on here and was able to talk about some of the specific needs and drill down and then say, you know, whether we're talking about how 
the conflict in the Ukraine affects what they're going to be doing in the next six months, the next year, the next three years, we need to be thinking about that as well. We need to be in tune with that. So, you know, while I love it that, and you know, our industry is, you know, guns and ammo and karate chops and drop kicks, and we're always training for this, you know, we also have to pick up the newspaper uh, and, and, and kind of digest and, and filter through what's going on in the world because our clients are paying to uh, our, are paying attention to this and their handlers and their advisors are paying attention to this. And that's how we should consider ourselves, particularly in that type of setting as one of their many advisors. I like that advisors. I think that's a good thing for an EP uh, professional to see themselves as even, even if you're not yet in that consultant role, maybe you're more junior, you're an advisor. You, 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 you have a lot to bring to the table. Absolutely. And it's it's the it's the mindset. So if you haven't had that tap yet to say, OK, we want your direct input on this subject, that's fine. You can still learn about that subject, have it in the back of your head, just waiting for that one day where they go, hey, Elijah, what do you think? Um, it's not dress for the job you want. It's sort of read for the job you want or something like that. <laughs> well, well, yeah. Study for the job you want. Uh, anticipate it. You know, try and be the person with the answers. You don't have to give the answers. You just want to make sure that you know the answers. And, you know, there are many times in our profession where we're going to encounter subjects that are beyond our area of expertise. But just because it's not something we deal we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis doesn't mean we shouldn't learn about it, try and research it, trying to get, you know, uh, go down a, a rabbit hole, even if it's... it's as a mental exercise. And, and the reason was because you never know when this bit of information may become useful operationally or just in terms of the uh, the interpolitics of navigating a space where you have these other professionals who do have these types of conversations. And talking about skill sets and learning and development, um, I hear someone is going to be, you know, dropping some nuggets. Bro, uh, that, that what a transition you just gave me. I mean, you you know, you are like a talk show host to, you know, I'm, I'm on the U.S. side. So, I'm you know, I was like, you're like David Letterman, the way you can just pivot, you know, back and forth and segue into speaking of, and you just drop that in. And that's really oh, impressive. I just want you to know that. You're too, you're too kind. You're, you're, <laughs> you're, no, not, not, not the case, but uh, your, your course coming up. Um, what, what should we expect? What should we know? Well, I, I got to tell you, I'm super excited for this. So we're doing uh, the Icon Advanced course. We're holding it in Raleigh, North Carolina in the States. And it's going to be on uh, September 26th. It's a 10-day course and it's running to October 5th. And it's going to be great just because I never get a chance to do these extended courses. Um, I usually run shorter courses because of my operational schedule. But I, I finally said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to sit down and, and commit to a longer course. And so what I did was I... Uh, kind of cheated a little bit. I, I put my finger on the scale and I brought out what I kind of call some of the all-stars of the industry. So, you know, I've got Bob Dugan, I've got Sam Alicia, uh, I've got Mark James, of course, who's my, my partner in crime. Uh, but then we also brought out Joe Ator to teach him things. We brought out Kristen West to teach him things. You know, so we've, we've, we've got these guys from all over the place who are subject matter experts who are part of the been there, done that club. And I basically said, hey, you know, Give me a couple of your days, uh, you know, commit to coming out to this class here. And we're going to, you know, um, have students from all over the world. We, we've got people from the United Kingdom. We've got people um, 
from the continent of Africa are coming. Uh, uh, so so we've got people from all over that are, that are going to be coming to attend the course and they're going to get a chance to meet these people who are doing the work daily, which uh, which I'm very proud of. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'm excited to to for us to get to the end of September, and uh, and I'll definitely make sure I, I I keep you updated about that. Maybe we can do a live feed or something. Yeah, absolutely. From from the session, maybe that could be the session. You Let's know, talk about it, man. Let's figure that out. We'll do it. Um, well, um, another opportunity uh for doing a live session, perhaps I should really figure this out before I travel. Uh, next week, uh, I am in Phoenix and then DC. Uh, actually, I mention it because. You know who you are. Some BBA members and uh, NABA members will be there at the sixth annual Cyber Physical Convergence Forum. Um, and Wait, then... first of all, this is the sixth annual one. That's amazing in and of itself. Well, thank you. Yeah, it started off as a, quite a brutal thing. We had man guards meeting chief information security officers on a stage. Um, quite a brutal panel. You know, like we, we basically said, what we're going to talk about. And that was one of the panels. And we mm. found that threat intel is something we can talk about because if we can share it, then we can have a reason for that relationship. Anyway, of course, we have much, much deeper panels now. We have EP of the future. You mentioned Christian West, very kindly coming to speak. Uh, and we have the SOC of the future. We have a threat intel panel. We have uh, security service of the future. Lots of great topics, but it's nice to revisit it for the sixth um, for the sixth annual. And then, you know what? I'll just tell you, I am in a very nice location on Saturday, the 20th of August in Washington, D.C. Uh -huh. uh, it's, uh, uh, I think it's called O'Malley's Irish Pub <laughs> or something. And we're basically welcoming the EP community and the security community, corporate security community, uh, just for a bit of a meetup, I thought, nice. Why not? So, uh, you know, I'll I'll spread the message to people in the DMV. Wait, um, what, what's that date again? That's Saturday the twentieth in the afternoon. Nice. Um, but lots lots to play for, and people are people are making the most of it. Of course, we're all aware of geopolitical things, so it kind of makes me feel. Let's make the most of our opportunities. Was that another segue? Is that what you did there? <laughs> Yo, you're amazing, bro. You got one for every occasion. Well, no, I, I was going to reflect on the way in which it was great to have Olivia come in and drop some truth bombs about the world as it is and the world mm -hmm. as the high net worth individual sees it. Mm -hmm. um, and we can learn from them too. You know, much as there's some fantastic Instagram uh, pictures saying, you know, the EP agent offering financial advice to a billionaire. Uh, you, you know, you got to get the balance right, right? And, but there's a lot you can learn from ultra high net worths. There's a lot you can learn from family offices, which yes, you can immediately apply. Or as you said, Elijah, you can keep it in the back burner and, and get ready for when you're called upon. Great. And so it's very, very worthwhile going to Elijah's course uh, next month and I might see you in Phoenix. Or see, DC. you brought it back again. You're, you're <laughs> the best at this, man. This is amazing. No. <laughs> you know, British people don't do well with compliments. So, oh, sorry. <laughs> but but we're but we're very grateful, of course. Yeah, we like it. Um. So thank you ever so much, Olivia, for joining us and continuing to support the community. I know it is uh, not your day job, but it's great to shine a light on an industry many of our listeners are interested in. 
And as always, it's a great pleasure to be on with you, Elijah. Great to see you, brother. Thank you very much. And I enjoyed today's topic. Well, this has been another fantastic edition of the Circuit Magazine podcast. You have been listening to the Circuit Magazine podcast. Be sure to subscribe and be sure to not miss an episode.